What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. Go ahead and check out the website. We're doing some updates right now. Episode 75, we're almost at the century mark, and we also had a birthday. Sorry Sports had a birthday back in uh, February. We forgot to celebrate it, so happy birthday to Sorry Sports. Um, Today, Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about the biggest news going around the world, and that is A-Rod and J-Lo's engagement. We had a long talk about that and how A-Rod turned around his career. After that, we moved into the NBA. We talked about the Celtics, Lakers. Obviously, they've been a huge topic the past couple weeks. Then we talked about Sean's Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, I was right. Then we made some NBA Finals predictions. You might not expect what I said. Following that, we talked about college basketball as we go into the tournaments coming up. We talked about the top 25 and all the big conferences. Then we talked Yankees and MLB spring training. Finally, we talked about NFL news as there was some big news this past week for the Jets, the Giants, and for the NFL as a whole. So hope you guys enjoyed this one. Follow us on Twitter at SorrySports. On Instagram, sorry underscore sports. Email us, sorry sports at yahoo.com if you have anything to say. And as always, check out the website and enjoy the pod. Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here on a Sunday night uh, doing the Monday rundown a day early because something very special happened last night, Tom. We texted each other as soon as we saw it. Alex Rodriguez, J-Lo, they're getting married, bro. This is awesome. This is huge. This is almost as big as the ring. This is, <laughs> dude, that rock is ridiculous. Yeah, Absolutely just, ridiculous. I guess the Yankees paid A-Rod enough. I think, well, A-Rod Court must be doing well, too. I think it's doing just fine. My application is still, I guess, sitting How in are you going to handle that if you're CEO here and you've got your other jobs, too? Well, I'll quit all my other jobs, but I'm never going to quit this. I was just going to say, where your priorities lie? If he offers you a yeah. big job there, are you, are you ditching this? Yes. Wow. Bye, Sean. It's A-Rod. Wow. It's A-Rod. It's A-Rod. If I can even get... A quarter of a quarter of a quarter what he just gave to J-Lo out of him for him being my boss. A quarter of a quarter of a quarter, true. Dude, I mean, that, come was, on. that was ridiculous. Yeah, that's a good business move by you. Uh, that'll end our friendship, but that'll be a good move by you. Hey, sometimes you gotta <laughs> lose you gotta, some friends. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. Let's, let's talk about this for one second, man, because this is the biggest turnaround I can think of from a celebrity, athlete, actor, whomever... In recent memory, I mean, this guy was a pariah. This guy was hated by his own team, by his own sport, by basically everybody in the media. He was as toxic as you could possibly get. And this turnaround that he's exhibited really in the last four years, ever since he was suspended and missed the 2014 season... This has been unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he's he's on every show. He's on Good Morning America. He's got ESPN paying him to do the lead analyst job on Sunday Night Baseball. 
He still is employed by the Yankees organization as a special advisor to Hal Steinbrenner. Fox has him on his on the postseason shows with Ortiz. Not to mention his business and his bit. And I was just going to get there, man. He's got his a last podcast one, A Rod well. Corp. The the podcast that his business is booming. And ever since he got, you know, started dating J Lo, it was just like, okay, this this is just this is something nobody could have projected forward. And now they're getting married. I mean. This is the greatest turnaround of a single human being I can think of in recent memory as far as his level of celebrity. This is unmatched, man. Yeah, and take sports out of it, just him being a celebrity. I I know how he did it because seemingly he acts he acted a lot more genuine. Um, I just don't know how it worked. Is my point. Well, I think what he did was it show it shows the resiliency to come from rock bottom because that's where he was. I mean, think about it, right? He was kind of. And from a sports standpoint, went into a really bad place when he couldn't play in the postseason, like when he was, you know, demoted to eighth in the lineup in a wild card game, or in a first round series with the Tigers in 06, wins the MVP the next year, but still bad in the playoffs. 09 comes around and he starts the season on the DL and steroid allegations come up from 60 minutes that offseason. Seems like he just comes in, doesn't skip a beat has one of the best postseason runs for any anybody in the last 20 years, does it for the New York Yankees winning the World Series at Yankee Stadium. And then it all seems good until 2013 when he gets suspended for a year and he's, you know, uh, appealing it and suing, the Yan- his suing his own team because the Yankees didn't want him on the major league roster as he was coming back from yet another hip surgery. His team didn't want him there. I mean, we're seeing what's happening with Ellsbury, how the Yankees are basically trying to keep him away. I mean, Ellsbury's not even, you know, a fraction of the player that A-Rod was. And they were paying him this an exorbitant amount of money. It was, And then he gets suspended for all of 2014 and he can't have any association with the team. He's gone. And you're like, wow, I mean, how is this going to play out? In 15, any kind of good thing that could happen, happened for him. He, he hits 20-something home runs that year, falls off at the end of the season. But And then in 16, they give him a day. They give him his own day because they ask him to, to retire because obviously they didn't want – they were the Yankees were going through their youth movement. But in that time, he starts dating Jennifer Lopez and – the Yankee crowd gave him as big of an ovation on his debt in his final game. I can't believe it as they gave Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit and Derek Jeter. Yeah. And you would never have thought of a rod in that class, but it's happened. Well, yeah, the, the turnaround is just so incredible that not only would he have gotten a day like that, he wouldn't have gotten a day at all. And that's the thing. Like a like, year and a half before. That. I don't think it's ridiculous to think he's going to get his number retired. I think he will. I think there's going to be an Alex Rodriguez day in the not too distant future. Probably this season. And it's, I mean, and he's going to have J-Lo. And the thing that I think has helped him the most here, let's just go from the Yankee side and then in the big picture side. From the Yankee side, Derek Jeter, their icon, who was, you know, A-Rod's kind of quote unquote rival for all these years, goes and buys another team and basically has nothing to do with the Yankees now. And then A-Rod steps in and is showing that genuine personality that you alluded to earlier by saying, I want to be so, so involved with this organization. I care so much about this organization. And not only can he do that, but ESPN's like, hey, we think you're so good. We're going to have you be the lead analyst for 
our Sunday night coverage, regardless of who's playing. I mean, you got to be pretty good to be working for ESPN, competing um, broadcasting companies at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Who have both fought tooth and nail for exclusive rights. I mean, Fox has had the World Series now going back 20 years, and A-Rod's you know, right there is one of the lead analysts in the studio, which we know how those studio shows are now, especially what TNT's done with the NBA. They're almost as big as the actual on-field coverage. So to have both of those companies paying like crazy for him, I mean, just as far as baseball, people in baseball couldn't stand him. And now he's one of the most well-liked and well-respected people that you could ever see on coverage. Yeah, and what's interesting is that the old A-Rod would have tried to, if if you put old A-Rod in this situation with J-Lo, he would have tried to take advantage of her celebrity and tried to make it all about him. But it seems like he's taking a back seat. Like when, when he's at the Oscars and, and J-Lo's on the stage saying something. I think that's what happened recently. Yeah, yeah a couple the, weeks ago, yeah. You know, he's not making it about him. He's just sta- he's listening to the speech, being supportive like a boyfriend now, fiancé should. And it just seems like he's a much more genuine human being. And I think that's truly what happened. He hit rock bottom and he just said, I need to be myself. I need to stop acting like an asshole. And that's what he did. And shit, it worked. It worked really well. And he doesn't seem to have taken advantage of J-Lo's fame. He knows he's famous enough. And he's going to go on Good Morning America himself and all that other stuff. So, I mean, this is a power couple. I'm excited. This is is one of the biggest power couples that I can remember. And so now let's take it away from baseball. Just talk about it as far as pop culture. Where do you rank this right now amongst power couples in pop culture? And do you see this Power couples that are together or all-timers? I'll say let's go together right now and then let's do all timers. Cause right now I honestly can't think just because both of them see what I think of when I think power couples, as far as celebrity, it's where they equally equally. And also where they are from a personality standpoint. Sometimes one has to prop up the other when the other career is down or, you know, the only way they're a power couple is because one of them's doing better at a time career wise than the other. Even D-Wade, though the other Gabrielle has Gabriel union. I think that's big. Yeah, absolutely. Not, I think, I think, I think, Whatever, J Lo and A Rod. I think A Rod and J Lo is bigger. Um, yep. I don't know. Can you think of another one that's up there? Maybe a maybe an actor and an actor. I mean, I get, I would have obviously I said Bradgelina or right. whatever, Brad and Angelina, but yeah, or, we all know who that how that went. Right. So. And Brad and Jen too. Brad I mean, and Jen. J Lo was J Lo with Brad. Uh, no, I don't believe so. J-Lo was with somebody else. Yeah, she and was with Mark Anthony. Mark that Anthony, was big. That's it. That was And huge. that was when A-Rod and J-Lo first became close because even they were Met fans and they would go to a lot of Yankee Met games. Mm. And, uh, you know, they were always close um, when A-Rod was warming up and everything. So they had kind of that already predetermined um, dynamic that seemed to just catch each other at the right time. And from J-Lo's a, per- a Mets fan? Yeah. She's from the Bronx. I know. Fuck her. <laughs> Whatever. It's she's Jenny still, from the block, man. No, she's, she's still great, but and they're, I, I and honestly, they're both doing great in their own personal lives. I mean, yeah. we just detailed a Rod's career. Like, J Lo has been fine. It's been more than fine. Yeah, and, and it, I mean, J Lo's J Lo. She's an actress. She's she's a singer. She's she's incredibly talented. And you know, athletes kind of have a clock on their career, whereas actors. It's a little bit longer, but right. I mean, A-Rod's career is over, but he started this whole second career between um, social media, obviously real media, and the um, and the business that he has because he has a really huge real estate and other um, and type of investment companies, but it's about 95% real estate. Done my research, A-Rod, so take a look at that application. <laughs> um, 
So he's doing great in his second career too, and, and their celebrities just seem to be kind of on the same on, on the, the same, same level. level. Absolutely, yeah. and you touched upon a good point too, man. Like it's all genuine from him now, and Seemingly, it, it, yes. it it doesn't. And but you can tell like he's relaxed. Like when he does interviews, you know, especially with people who had known him during his days when he was really trying to be this almost you know bigger than sports kind of celebrity the relationships were not that strong. Well, and yeah. now all of a sudden, I mean, they, they couldn't, you hear it in his voice. Like when he goes on the K show, you know, Michael K knew him forever when he was broadcasting the Yankees, saw a rod through the good, the bad, and the, and very oftentimes the ugly. And now he does interviews and they've had a tenuous relationship and he just seems so good. I think the first step to this he knows he happened when up. he fired Scott Boris. I think when he fired Scott Boris, that was him saying, okay, I need to handle my business and take and prioritize where I want to be my happiest and not make and not sign deals or go places based off of just money and value. It's going to be what's going to make me wholesome, happy and, you know, productive going forward, not just in in my sports career, but post sports career, which is most important because his sports career, even though he had a 20 year career, his post sports career is going to be so much longer and probably more successful if he's on the, if he's in the right place mentally. And he truly seems like he is. Cause I'll give you one example that I think can show you he's really in the right place. A rod, when he retired from the Yankees was at 696 home runs. A rod right now is obviously still at 696 home runs. The selfish a rod that we knew so well from pre 2013 suspension would have signed with the Miami Marlins or the Seattle Mariners or or the Kansas City Royals anybody and tried to put tried to get to 700. They yep. would have sold there was a plenty of owners trying to throw money at him, put some fannies in the seats just to watch him get, you know, 97 through 700 and he said, "No, my career has been great and I think that goes to show you that he's in the right place." Cuz the old A-Rod would have let that eat away at him and he would have he would have gone for 700. Totally agree. When he did that press conference you know, it was, I want to still have a very strong, I mean, Hal Stenbrenner gave him the olive branch of being, we want you to still be a major part of this organization. I mean, this is three years removed from them basically telling him, please don't come back. Yeah, like man. That what just, that three that year turnaround is absurd. Really magnifies the turnaround. And, and in his personal life, you know, JLo who's been through, you know, her fair share of power couples and relationships and drama and headline news was probably in an equally same place, you know, maybe not as publicized. I don't think she had any kind of issues the way that A-Rod did or any kind of negativity. Would you say Swiss Beats and Alicia Keys is up there? I'm thinking about power couples. I mean, that's that's hard to argue with, but it's not A-Rod J-Lo. No. No, you're right. I don't even think it's okay. Wade. I don't think it's we Wade are, and Union. And, and I don't think, I don't think, um, I mean, Michelle and Barack. That's political. I'm going to give you one that's better. Okay. I'm gonna give you one. Not that th- that's not better. I wish them the best, but that's bigger. Obviously, Beyonce and Jay Z. Yes, I don't know how we've overplayed them. I think I think the fact. Oh, well, you know, we're talking in live time here on a pod, and sometimes some things slip your mind. Yeah, I think Jay Z and Beyonce is the top of the line. Yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt about and it. And it seems like you know even Kanye there, and Kim. Yeah, Kanye and Kim is interesting because. You know, he writes that song "Ecstasy." Robert uh, Kraft, like Def- Robert Kraft <laughs> in the massage parlor. <laughs> now that that's not being touched, bro. That's not being touched. No, and I'm also not going uh, Trump and Melania either. I, I wasn't going to say. That. I, I was wondering once you said the political. Once you mentioned Barack and Michelle, I was like, all right, please don't go where no, we currently no, no, are. No, no, no. Um, no, I think yeah. So right now, I would probably have to put 
probably put Jay Z, Beyonce, probably go Kim and, and Kanye, and then I'd probably throw right A Rod, J Lo, right in, in a happy third place. D Wade, D -Wade and Gabrielle probably right below them. Yeah, and it, listen, because even forgot, though D Wade's one of the best basketball players of all time, he's, and he's not a Hall of right Famer. Now. He's not right now, which is. And also, like, I want to see what he does in his post-NBA career. I mean, he has very good plans. He's a visionary. He's intel He's incredibly intelligent and um, and forward-thinking. So I think he's going to have a lot of success off the court. But, I mean, where A-Rod left off. And, and yeah. the thing is, is you know, A-Rod played for the New York Yankees. That's the hallmark sports franchise, with the exception of the Dallas Cowboys, I think, and maybe the LA Lakers in all of American sports, definitely yeah, in baseball, no, definitely. Miami heat, you know, you're in South beach. It's glamorous. It's fun. You've won some titles, but it's not New York city. I think if he did that with the Knicks or the Lakers, then maybe things would be a little bit different. Yeah. And the other thing before we move on is that we're talking about people that, I mean, A-Rod's engaged to be married and the other people we mentioned are married. I'm not going to talk about Blake Griffin and Kylie Jenner. Oh or my God. Kylie no. Jenner and Ben Simmons. I mean, come on. They could be dating somebody different 10 minutes from now. So I'm only talking about people that say we're in this for the long run. We're married. Yeah, and you know that that's so the that's direction why we're this is going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the last one I guess I'll mention as a sleeper couple is Kate Upton and Justin Verlander. Yeah, and Verlander has kind of like, especially winning that World Series and doing it back. with her, you know, in the front front row of the of the Astros dugout. Um, that was the biggest thing, I think. And then, you know, they're getting, they're having their honeymoon right after the World Series. I think a lot of those, especially when you look at athletes, it's the culmination of where their careers are, particularly the athlete. You know, like if he was still on the Tigers and not winning anything, I think it'd still be a big time story, but it wouldn't be anything close to like it was when he won the World Series with the Astros. Oh yeah, it was perfect timing. Because he's getting, you know, he is the number one sports story for about three weeks in October. Yeah. And that's that's going when the camera's on her every inning that he's pitching all the way through the playoffs, and then winning a World Series in Los Angeles for the Astros. I mean, it's hard it's hard to get bigger than that. Yeah, no, but I I, I would still I, I'm still putting A Rod and J Lo in there. I put them They're right below. Three. Yeah, right top below three. Kim and Kanye, and right below Jay Z and Beyonce. Jay Z and Beyonce are obviously number one. Yeah, and they've had they've had a tenuous. Marriage. Well, they, yeah, they, when Kanye and Kim got married, they didn't even go to the wedding because they said, we need to work on our relationship. So yep. they think they went somewhere else. And Jay-Z had the cheating scandal, mm -hmm. you know, like that didn't go well. And he's done his kind of comeback tour. You know, he went on Letterman's Netflix show and they had a great interview and he was discussing how he's worked on himself as a, as a husband and a father and, and how, no, it was not as easy as he thought it was when they first got married. And you give a lot of credit to Beyonce to stick through with him. You know, you look at Kim and as, for as much as I can't stand the Kardashians, you got to give her credit for sticking with Kanye because of his bipolar issues. You know, he goes right to song like Ecstasy when he's talking about sleeping with all of his, all of the other sister-in-laws. Yeah. Uh, that was that's a tough one. that's that's tough to that's tough to stick with. But so, you know, I will say if we're on pop culture now. You're looking at the Michael Jackson documentary, which I have yet to see. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and I've seen bits and pieces of the R. Kelly one. Both heinous human beings by Big all time. accounts. But when it comes to Kanye, and I don't think he's done anything along those lines, Kanye's probably my favorite rapper of all time, right up there with J. Cole. You got to separate the art from the artist sometimes. Like, I'm still going to enjoy Ignition Remix from R. Kelly. I'm still going to enjoy Michael Jackson's songs. Like That's the point. Yeah, you got to look gotta. at it. Because if you don't, and I think that goes, 
that's a really good argument because I think if you don't do that, then you're going to be so much more disappointed than you are. You know, it's the same with the Cosby show. I mean, think about that Bill Cosby situation, right? Like I mean, families would base their schedules around watching that show. And we obviously weren't alive at the time, but that was America's dad. That was America's dad. It was the first of the, you know, very influential, important African-American families on network TV. And for him to be in the place that he is now is just unbelievably scarring. And I'm sure there's a lot of fans. I'm like, I can't believe that I had my kids, you know, watching this. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about the, from the music standpoint, totally agree. I mean, Kanye lyrically and musically, I mean, come on, he dropped out of the Chicago school of music, the most prestigious aside from, from Berkeley music program in the entire country. Yeah. And if you listen to like, I think his biggest turnaround was when he did, I mean, obviously he had, you know, he had, dropout he had graduation and he was really on he was on the on the scene to be the next big yeah. thing and then he dropped off a little bit and well, did even my beautiful that, dark twisted was, fantasy yeah that, that and that album because you know, he spends over a thousand hours in the studio yeah. and he's putting in his gospel he's putting in his blues jazz and heartbreaks wasn't wasn't anything really i thought it was pretty bad i think that was like equivalent to eminem's relapse that's yeah. an album where mm-hmm. he's probably saying like i don't want to remember this because even though fans are going to look back and say hey that was huge i mean that was the first of the real big auto-tune just pure auto-tune from a rapper. Well, then Jay-Z took a shot at him with Jay-Z, the death of the auto-tune song. Exactly. So. No, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you on that stance. You have, I mean, you have to separate it, and Kanye did have his ups and downs. I mean, I really like Life of Pablo. I don't know, I still don't know how I but, feel about the most recent one, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's not, when you look at him, though, is he hasn't had anything nearly to the extent where you can look at him and be like, I can't listen to his music or no. appreciate it. Now, if something happens, it's the same thing. You've got to tear those two apart. Absolutely. You know, for even the people, just to tie it all back to the A-Rod, J-Lo situation before we move on, if you look at A-Rod as a baseball player, let's say you're a diehard New York Yankee fan, okay? Obviously, people in baseball, if you were a Red Sox fan in particular, right, with that trade not going down in 03, and then he comes out and not only doesn't become a Red Sox, but becomes a Yankee. If you're a New York Yankee fan, you're going to have one of two opinions on him. And I think you and I were both over A-Rod apologists because I looked at him and said, this guy has put up numbers that no Yankee right-hander has ever put up before, with the exception of Joe DiMaggio. And then he passed him on a lot of the ranks, doubles, home runs, um, RBIs. But he always just seemed to come up short in, in the, the big moments ones. until 09. And it was, you know, you could make a very good argument that Posada didn't hit in those series. Jeter didn't hit in those series. The starting pitching was really bad. But when you're the hallmark player, when you're the prime attraction, if you're getting demoted to eight, I mean, that is rock bottom as far as not just life, but that's your that's your profession. You're the best in the sport. I mean, that was like LeBron's 2011 finals, you know? Like, you're, it's yeah, hard when, to get up from that. When they're when he's posting up J.J. Barea. Right. And and <laughs> he's stopping him. Yeah, yeah it's the exactly. exact same thing. And you just thing. get that mental, you hit that mental wall where it's almost like you can't crawl out of it and then 09 happens and they don't win that world series without him and since you and i have been fans i mean they don't yeah, even we go to that world series no definitely him. not I mean, win. The, the twins series the the angel series where he was unconscious and even though he didn't have a great world series he wouldn't have been there without him and when you look back at that at that time it i i felt so good for him you know, obviously, we, we were raised on the late 90s, early 2000s Yankees, but we were a little young to really, like, 
talk that we, you know, we weren't, we just knew our favorite players. And now retrospectively, we can look back and talk about how great those teams were. But I think a lot of fans that were growing up in that time that were maybe a few years older than us, they couldn't stand A-Rod. Yeah. He was probably the anti-Yankee. You know, he was everything that Jeter wasn't. He was everything that Bernie Williams wasn't. You know, Ber- or let me rephrase that. Jeter was everything that A-Rod wasn't. You know, like that that pristine kind of clean image, nothing about, nothing caring about other than winning, diving into the stands, you know, that kind of thing. And A-Rod's just, you know, he seems like that kind of almost how we feel about Machado, right? Like he's going to loaf to first. He's not you know, all in, he seems like he's a me guy. Then 09 happens and I couldn't feel better for him. But there were times even after that, I'm like, dude, this guy's not going to be remembered as a good Yankee. And it's so sad because he just can't help it from a personality standpoint. If you just look at him as the baseball player, you separate person from baseball player. Fantastic. But it was really hard for some Yankee fans to like him because of how he was. And then it turns out within the span of three years, Okay, he's suspended. He misses the whole year. He's out of sight, out of mind. Comes back in 15 on kind of this fairy tale first half as the Yankees as a first place team and make and making a wild card game. And then in 16, you know, the Yankees try to start this youth movement because the veterans aren't playing the way they were. They ask him to step away, and they easily could have just been like, "We're cutting you, man." You know, like we will pay you the money, we but we got to move in a different direction. They give him his press conference. They give him a day where his family's on the field with him. And then they say, you get to continue to stay in the organization. I mean, our, our accounts are, were that he was one of the major reasons that Miguel Andujar became a top Yankee prospect. Because yeah, he was down not, watching him in the minor league he's not just a name and saying, this is a guy you can't let go. This is going to be a star. Yeah. And from just the baseball mind, you hear him on Sunday night broadcast, you hear him on Fox there's nobody that knows more baseball than Alex. Not Rodriguez. at all. And he'll, he says it on his podcast, you know, I, I have my doctorate in baseball and yep. I agree with that. And his name is, it's not like he just has his name on the door in an office at wherever the Yankees offices are. Like you said, Andujar, he's really making a contribution to the Yankees as well. So, I mean, I've been sitting here thinking about it while you were talking. I can't, when you talk about celebrities, period, whether it be an artist, an actor, uh, an athlete or just anyone that's a celebrity. I can't think of a better comeback, honestly. I don't think I guess you could one. talk Mike Vick. Probably not because his celebrity is not nearly as huge. No. I can't think of a better comeback than this. I can't either. This is unbelievable. And This is a guy that, just to sum it up and summarize it, this is a guy that from probably Texas years, so what, 2002, one. Yeah. 2001 through 2013 – Every possible move he could have made was the wrong one. Fast forward from 2000 and what, 14, 15 on to now, every move he's made is the right one. And it's not only the right one, it's like he's hitting the lottery with every single decision that he makes. Oh yeah, he's hitting a grand slam every time. It's it's absolutely incredible. So congratulations to the number three current power couple that we can think of, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, and give us a tweet if we, you know, we're, yeah, we're you working guys can on the think fly of something here, else. If yeah. you can think of a better power couple, let us know. I'm glad I remember Jay-Z and Beyonce. Thank yeah, God. that would have been bad. But and Kim and Kanye, I mean, that it's, that's hard to dispute uh, just because of the power that both of those celebrities possess. But now let's move on to even more sports as we bury that. That was a fun combo, man. Lovely. Thanks, A-Rod. All right. NBA time. Yes, sir. The Celtics have rebounded quite nicely since 
seven days ago when they lost to the Rockets at home. Kyrie Irving says we took a long plane ride that was very much needed. I don't know how long that'll last, but they went into Golden State and just dismantled the Warriors. The worst loss of the Warriors in the Steve Kerr era. Then they go and they win on a Gordon Hayward game-winning jump shot against the Kings. And now they just take down the Lakers last night. What are you looking at from the Celtics, man? I mean, this is this is a big-time turnaround in seven days. I was right all along. I told you they were going to figure it out. It's been three days. <laughs> but no, I I just think that maybe that plane ride did help him out. You're stuck in a box flying across the country for six hours. you got to talk things out. And they seem enthusiastic, you know, they're not, you look back a week ago at tape and there, no one's, there was no high fives. There was nothing. Now everybody's cheering for each other and they seem to have some real camaraderie. Whether or not that continues, we'll see. But right now I think they're just in a lot better of a place. Clearly it was never about talent. We never once no, said this team isn't good that. enough. Um, but I, I just think they're in a really good place right now and hopefully they can keep it going. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm taken from this and I'm saying, I don't know how sustainable it is because every time it seemed like they're starting to put things together, they take a step back. I think what they have to do is they have to kind of play the role of the Eastern conference warriors. And what I mean by that is forget about talking about free agency, forget about talking about where Kyrie's going to go, just like the warriors with Durant and just embrace the fact that you don't know what's going to happen, but you know, for this year you're together and you're trying to win a ring. And all personal vendettas aside, okay, Kyrie's not a leader. We've understood that. We figured that out. That's something he's trying too hard to do, and it's not his thing. Maybe there's certain guys on that team, like a Marcus Morris, some of the other veterans that are, you know, probably, you know, rolling their eyes when he's trying to make a speech because that's just not him. It doesn't matter. When he's on the court, this team should not be 0 and 6. You know, this team should be 6 and 0. And right up there with the Bucks and Raptors in the Eastern Conference. Let's see if this little West Coast run propels them to be that team to beat in the East, which we predict, predicted was going to happen uh, before the season. Yeah, man, I completely agree with you. And then I just want to say, moving on to the Lakers, I told you it was coming. LeBron is now on a minutes restriction. I can't believe this. And I hate this, by the way. I mean, listen, maybe he's really hurt, but then he would just sit out, right? That's what I think. This is a – this is such like a cop-out for the Lakers. Like the only reason people should still come to watch the games is LeBron James. LeBron James has to play. I told you this was coming. And especially if you're not going to make the playoffs and you do have that extra, what is it, five, six weeks where you don't have to play, then just play your 40 minutes a night now. He's got to get ready for Space Jam. And, dude, it's in two years that that movie comes no, out. they start. I they know, he's it. shooting it now. He's fine. He can do that in his sleep. Dude needs to play. That's not fair to the Laker fans who are showing up. He's the only reason to go watch the Lakers. And it's not fair to the road, you know, peop- the road fans either, to the cities that he's going to. Listen, he's the I attraction. agree with you, but right now they need to lose as many games as they can to have that draft pick look Isn't it like the highest they can go is seven? Well, I, I think I think they can get to four if they if they lose a few more games and a couple and they get a little bit of luck and a couple other teams. Win. That's right hard now. to bank on. But what's funny is the Pelicans have the same record as them right now Jesus. to this minute. It's just it, it's crazy going back to when they won the title in 2016. All the dis, all the moves LeBron has made just seem like it's on already on to the next chapter for him. 
And clearly he didn't think this out well enough because the Lakers have, I was going to go through all the Lakers transactions just to rattle them off to you since signing Kobe Bryant to that crazy extension between Mozgov and Russell and all that shit that happened. And there was a lot more than that. It's just, you got to look at this franchise and say, what the fuck are they doing? Like, this is an absolute joke. And I know the Lakers are probably, you know, one in fighting for one and two greatest franchises of all time with the Celtics um, in the NBA, but they're, they're a joke since 2000, since their last title in 2010. And I've never experienced in my life something that it literally hinges on one thing that is not a certainty so much as I do in sports with, if Anthony Davis comes there, the Lakers are in good shape. If Anthony Davis doesn't, the Lakers are fucked. That's it. Period. LeBron's career, unless he asks for a trade, is basically over in terms of winning titles and winning championships. And the Lakers are a shit show. If they get Anthony Davis, we can talk about it. They'll probably be a three or a four seed next year. And maybe they put some pieces around it. But it's just so crazy because the guy's not even a free agent. You have to have the best deal on the table for the Pelicans to take it. And I don't think they will. And it can go in one. It can either go, depending on how this goes, it can either go wide left or wide right. There's no middle for this. I just think it's crazy. No, dude, you you just detailed that perfectly. I couldn't agree with you more. The uncertainty around this is is really mind-blowing. And LeBron James, I really agree with you, man. There's no way he knew how bad this was going to be. No, I mean, you're, but- you're trying to patchwork a roster together of Rajon Rondo, JaVale McGee. You've got Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You know, you bring in a Michael Beasley who doesn't even make it through the year. I mean, you, they drafted Mo Wagner. The guy hasn't done anything. They haven't given him the chance. And, and they haven't given him a chance. They tried Yvonne Zubak, who's a good young center. I, that didn't make any sense. All the signings they made didn't make sense. And my thing is this. This just goes to show that LeBron is clearly on the, on to the next chapter in his life. He's been in the league 18 years. Well, this also but shows... Oh, go ahead. Every single move he's made when it comes to free agency, if you look at the last two, was a very calculated decision. Yes. Based on winning, right? So LeBron goes to the Heat. He knows that he's the greatest that player in the league. That was his college. Right? Yeah, we'll call it his college. But look at it this way. He knows he's going to have, at the very least, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh in their primes. Right. Okay? That's a winning decision. Then he sees that, okay, Dwayne Wade's fallen off a little bit. I want to go back home, bar quotes. And he does, Chris Bosh is Chris Bosh. But basically, I want to go back to the Cavs. They have an open max contract. And I know at the very least I'm going to have Kyrie Irving and the number one pick as a trading chip to get another top 20 guy. So they go out and get Kevin Love. That's another winning decision. He goes from a good situation to a better one in terms of winning. Now you look at this situation with the Lakers. He didn't make that decision based on winning championships. No, and we know that. I've been saying that all the whole time. Because if he wanted to win a championship, he would have either stuck with the Cavs and figured it out with Kevin Love and gotten another guy there because the situation was a lot better cap-wise, or he would have gone to the Sixers or something like that. Absolutely. So the Eastern Conference is, would have meant a lot because I think because how smart he is to fuel your argument not, further. Exactly. He, not knows, to the he knows how much harder it is to win out West than it is to win in the East. So obviously this decision was made for Space Jam 2. His businesses are out there. Exactly. Clutch sports. When it's the next I, I chapter, he's not it really is. a part of, but we know what's going on yeah, there. Yeah. 
I mean, obviously his name's he's got be the two houses in Brentwood. When he retires. Yeah. yeah, I mean he and that's where he wants to be, and that's what I think is you know as we're going to transition into the Warriors in a second, but it's so interesting to see what Durant does because he's kind of blueprinted his his career out of the LeBron James model, just not going back to his original place. But obviously that Cleveland connection was sentimental because, you know, he grew up in Akron. I don't know if you knew that. So, um, <laughs> didn't know that. So Durant, I don't see going to the wizards, but no, what I think is just amazing is LeBron is just, he said he activated playoff mode. I think that's kind of like, he's trying to, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I think he's trying to just tell himself that to get him through this, but you can see in just his body language and demeanor really all season. It's just not the same as it has been. And I think he just, to speak to your point, if he wins with the Lakers, that's the icing on the cake. That's gravy. That's not why he's there. Now, I don't think he enjoys losing. I think this has been a horrible season for him, both personally and on the court. It's starting to show the signs of decline. This is going to put a major monkey wrench into his legacy because he's going to miss the playoffs in totality, which none of the great players that he's, you know, linked up with have ever done. Uh, except for Kareem. Except, but that was, you know, as they traded first the year. entire team That was from. his first year with the Lakers. Yes. And then after that, it was finals and Western Conference finals every single year. But, no, this is this is crazy. And I want to see, so see what Durant does with the Warriors because I think he's gone. I think they know he's gone. And now what's your decision? Is it you've won your titles? You're now in your 30s. You want to go be where you could be the biggest star that you possibly can and be the East Coast version, or maybe you want to take LA away from LeBron and go to the go to the Clippers, or you go to Madison Square Garden and play for the New York Knicks, which I know is your hope. But well, then maybe he, he says, his "Listen, business in New York, exactly. So I'm hoping yeah, so. Yeah, right out of Silicon Valley. So then then you're saying, okay, but he's a little different dude than LeBron. He seems to have you know." You got to remember with LeBron, he's been with the same girl since he was 16. He has his kids. All he wants to do is go home, drink wine, entertain in one of his houses, and then go watch his kids play. That's really all he wants to do. Durant's single. He's, you know, a weird kind of guy. He seems that to have this animosity with the media, whereas LeBron seems to be all cozied up with the media. And I don't know if New York City's A team is the best fit for him. And if it's about basketball and now going to win, because I think it bothers him a lot that people tell him that, or there's this perception out there that he joined an already super team and won. Are you leading me to the Brooklyn Nets here? I am. Oh, come on. Or the Los Angeles Clippers. Go to a team that can either, A, you can create, which is the Knicks or Clippers, where you can bring another top pre-agent with you or two, or go play for a young team that is already really good and you don't have to be... He'll get plenty, plenty of publicity and his business will do fine in New York, but he's not going to have the expectations on him in Brooklyn that he would with the New York Knicks. And I don't think that can be discounted. His personality does not scream orange and blue. It doesn't. Shut up. It doesn't. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not. So I, I'm so interested to see. We see LeBron and what's happened with the Lakers. And I think Durant is so 
sensitive to how he's perceived by NBA people and fans as to why, you know, his winning with the Warriors means nothing. And I also think he really hates the media. I think it really bothers him that LeBron is so close with the media and that he seems like he gets all the shit. So if you're going to go play for the New York Knicks, you're that could be a very tenuous and, and, and very, you know, a, a very uncomfortable dynamic. So I'm so interested to see how he wants to move his career along and what he's going to learn from LeBron and what he's not going to learn from LeBron or how he's going to differ from LeBron because personalities couldn't be more different personal situations couldn't be more different, but I think they both really care about their legacy and just what's your legacy going to be. All right. So Kevin Durant, if you listen to the Sard interrupt podcast, Sean just gave you a pitch on why you should go to Brooklyn basically. Yeah. I mean, I it's, and it's not just the net thing. I mean, honestly, it's just his personality. Like I think the Clippers would make a lot of sense too. I just think he would have to bring people with him. And the question is, is that what he wants to do or does he want to go put a young team over the top and be the number one guy? That's, that's the question that I can't answer. We know which one LeBron is. Mm -hmm. We don't know which one KD is. Absolutely. So speaking of your Brooklyn Nets, since I talked to you off the ledge as, as you know, I should have, the Nets are three and oh, they are good wins too. taking down the Dallas Mavericks. That was a big time win. And then just handling business against the Hawks team the other night. You know, the Hawks are feisty. They're a good young team, and they're really fun to watch. They're playing really well lately. And the Nets, win and by, the Nets win by two in Atlanta. I mean, it's, it wasn't super easy, but that was a win where it showed, you know, Dinwiddie coming off the bench and scoring 23 points. Um, he's he's had an unbelievable year, and it's, it's great to have him back. You're, you were right. It seems like they're starting to figure things out a little bit, but now they're, they're about, now they're about to embark on a really tough trip. Well, I'm glad they turned it around before that. Yeah, they're, they're hosting the Pistons tomorrow, which is the big, you know, which is one of their final home games, and that's a big spot for the Eastern Conference playoff positioning because the Pistons have been actually really good lately. Yep, and, and they're six, and the Nets are seven. Yeah, and that's just percentage points because the Nets have played more games. Mm-hmm. But... Then they go out west and they're playing teams of the leg like the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers. We'll see what Laker team they're going to play. Um, you know they're they're going to be they're going to have to go play a lot of teams that are very well cemented in the upper half of the Western Conference. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. This is going to be make or break time for the Nets. But right, those so- but those easy those wins that they had to get this past week. Those were encouraging. Speaking of the playoffs, I'm just going to rattle out, rattle off the top eights right now. So you have in the Eastern Conference, Bucks one, Raptors two, Sixers three, Pacers hanging around at four, Celtics at five. I think they're going to jump to four by the end of the season. Pistons six, Nets seven, and the Heat and the Magic are essentially tied for the eighth spot. And I'm really rooting hard for the Magic. I would like to see D Wade in his last ride in the playoffs, though, but. I want to be right a little bit more. Mm, very more, much more important to you. Absolutely. So moving on to the West, we have the Dubs at number one, obviously. Nuggets very close in the number two spot. The Rockets climbed up to number three. Well, real quick on that Nuggets-Warriors matchup, the Nuggets just got 
run off the floor on Friday night. I turned night that game off in the third the quarter and went to bed. Uh, that, that was, was one bad. of those. That was a classic Warrior game. They because were moving I was, the ball so well. I was, Clay Thompson took like five dribbles and had 39-something points. points. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the Warriors just said to themselves, there's no way that we're letting this team come in here and take first place from us. No, not at all. So after that, like I said, Rockets at three, Thunder at four, Trailblazers at five. We, I knew the Jazz were going to find their way in there at some point. Mitchell's playing a lot better at six. Clippers are hanging around. I can't believe at seven. this. They've done everything that they can to to get out of the playoffs. Well, they're in it now. I think for yeah. sure. Spurs at number eight. Would really like to see that Kings team in there at number nine, but they're pretty far back. Yeah, they've, they've been on a bit of a slide lately. That was a tough loss to Boston last yep. week. I think if they won that game, you'd be feeling a lot better about them. But now they've, I believe, lost four in a row or something like that. So yeah. it's, you know, they're a young team, but they, they've, who knows, maybe they'll surprise us and, and come back and, and find their way in the eight spot. But either way, I don't think their so, future's but. bright. Absolutely. Uh, plus, Bagley got hurt, and that's a 2010 guy. That's so brutal. I don't think. I can't believe how good he's been. By the way, I honestly did not think that that was going to be not, the case. Not at all. He's not Luca, but he's he's been damn good. Yeah. No. No doubt about that. Last thing I will say before we talk about the playoffs a little bit further, you were right on this one because I was a little nervous a few weeks back when the Knicks won like three of four. The Knicks only have 13 wins, and they have the least amount of wins in the league. Dude, they're so fucking bad. I love it. They're so bad. By the way, did you see what happened today at the Garden? I know they lost. Well, <laughs> that, that is absolutely what happened. But a fan got banned from the Garden because as Dolan was walking out of the arena, a fan goes, sell the team, and Dolan approaches him and just says to him, like, that's rude. Like, you can't say that. He's like, well, that's my opinion. And then he goes to get the security guys to escort him out and says, have fun watching on TV. Wow. So another great public image by James Dolan. So contrary to popular belief, this is a free country at this moment. But I Can guess you believe the, it? I guess the garden isn't. No. I guess the garden is not part of this free country. Well, we've known that now for the entirety of the Jim He'll Dolan He'll ban era. anybody. That's crazy. I don't even know if I'm allowed in there. But Well, you definitely won't be. As soon as we blow up and he hears what we've said about him. I'm in no trouble. Ch- no press passes. Not welcome on the show, James Dolan. Sell the fucking team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we talk? Why don't we talk Eastern Conference and um, Eastern and Western Conference champs and some finals predictions? Just, just to talk a little bit about the. Playoffs. This is the downtime. This is the downtime of the NBA calendar. Thank yeah. God the March Madness tournament's coming soon because yeah, we already are. You know, we kind of know who's in the playoffs or we know who's going to be hanging around, and we're just waiting to get there. The players are too. Yeah. So why don't we go out of the East first? Are you still sticking with the Toronto Raptors coming out of the East? That's what you said on uh, Phillips' podcast. So. Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, Very versatile. The Bucks are right up there, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Raptors. I just think that when they play their best, I just Kawhi is. You know, he's he can do things on the court that no matter how great Giannis is, who's going to win the MVP and do, and deservedly so. There's things that Kawhi can do on the court, particularly with his shooting, that Giannis can't. Yeah, and I just like the way that team has looked with Marcus All. He's added a dimension to that team that's that's really different. Uh, Siakam's now playing the five a lot when Gasol's not playing, and that seems to make them even deeper and more versatile. So, Ibaka's been playing really well too. Yeah, so I, I like the Raptors still to go as out of my Eastern Conference. I'm going to stick with the Bucks, and I really like this Pau Gasol signing more for the locker room and for the behind the scenes stuff. They didn't. Need, I don't even think they had a guy on their team that had been to the second round of the playoffs, much less the finals, and that's a two-time champ right there. So he knows how to get there, and you know, if if 
Brooke Lopez needs a little bit of a blow. Gasol can knock down an open three. Absolutely. And we should talk about Eric Bledsoe real quick, who got a contract extension. He's been playing great. And I think that was a well-deserved contract extension. And it's pretty cap-friendly as well. It is. I, You could make a very good argument that he was the reason why they didn't go further last year in addition oh, to the, how bad terrible. the head coach was. But he was, he was just a ghost in the playoffs. And Boonholzer, we called that a... The second he got hired, that yep. he was going to change this team and make them great. I didn't think he was going to make them one seed great, but he has completely changed this team. And again, we were right. Yep, and 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 Bledsoe does deserve a lot of credit. He's a guy that has not the best reputation amongst NBA guards, but he's starting to turn that around he's a got little ta- bit. <clears throat> oh, sorry, always he's got has. He's choking you up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just so proud of us for getting uh, Budenholzer that call right. Um, so you have the Raptors coming out of the East. I got the Bucks. Now let's move over to the Western Conference. Who do you think's coming out of the West? I mean, this is obviously the Warriors. Okay. Okay. Do you not agree? Nope. You're kidding. Nope. Who are who are you putting out of the West? Sleeper pick. Oh come on, Houston Rockets. You're trying too hard, bro. Houston Rockets. I think this is obviously. I think the Warriors are going to make it. But I think no, no, no. You're not allowed to hedge your bets. I'm not hedging. You are because you're going to come on this air if the Warriors want to say, "Well, I did say they were going." No, to. I listen. just wanted the Rockets too. Warriors stick are the, with a pick. The Warriors are the best team since the Warriors are the best team since the early Lakers in the 2000s. But I just think the Rockets, the way they played with James Harden this year, I think it help. It's going to help them in the playoffs. And now that they have Chris Paul back and Capella back, they've been playing extremely well. But they still have that aspect of if Harden needs to take over a game, that DNA is still instilled in them. And I think, honestly, the Warriors are not the Warriors of last year. You're trying too hard with this pick. They're going to catch them sleeping. No, you're trying too hard with this I pick. am not trying too the, hard. Here, this is, let this me explain is a sleeper. Chris Paul does not have a good playoff reputation. He's not that good in big games. And his durability is very questionable. James Harden is going to be exhausted. This guy has carried this team. That's fine. He's been unbelievable. But that team is not built to win a series against the Golden State Warriors. And the Warriors are going to have games because they're, you know what? They're bored. They're tired. They don't care if they lose by 38 to the Celtics at home because then two to, three days later they're going to turn around and when the Nuggets come in acting like they're going to usurp them for the number one, they blow them out by 40. It, they're going to scorch earth in this playoffs. And I think that they have this demeanor now and this mindset. I kind of spoke to it earlier when we talked about the Celtics that the philosophy they need to adopt and maybe they've started to. But the Warriors know that this is going to be the last year that they're all together. You know, they they're they're going to go in separate ways. Durant's all but gone. Who knows about Clay? I think he's going to stay, but the Lakers are a possible destination. You know, LeBron's going to do everything he can to get him. Boogie's going to be kind of gone too. I think he's going to find somewhere to give him a max. They're just too fucking good. They can't lose. And that attitude, they're going to, if they develop this attitude of we're just going to go and blow everybody out, especially in rounds one and two, which the talent they'll be playing against is far, far inferior. I, I have no concerns about them. As a matter of fact, if they do lose, if they don't win the, if they don't win the NBA title this year, I think it's going to be to an Eastern conference team. I don't think it's going to be to the Rockets. The Rockets just, 
there's something missing when they get deep into the playoffs. It's either Paul's hurt or Paul's not playing well. Hey, Harden's we just talked, exhausted. We just talked about how terrible A-Rod was for about 10 years in the playoffs. We did. Are you predicting that you're going to have Chris Paul's going to have that kind of dramatic turnaround, hit a couple game winners? I think so. Wow. I think so. And listen, I could be terribly wrong. I've been right so many times. I've built up enough equity to be wrong. You've also been horribly wrong plenty of times. I was wrong about the Lakers. I can't really think about anything else. How about the football picks this year? All right, man. Uh, <laughs> next year, maybe Deshaun Watson will you know, finish top 20 in MVP. I'm not voting. saying that I'm all the all right, but you're you're saying that basically you never make a mistake. And I'm oh, well, for that. the record, why don't you look at my record once I made that huge speech. No, no, no. Once I made that huge speech and said, listen, I'm done messing around. I'm taking this serious. I think I was like... 20 and one. Yeah. Well, that was a very important speech. You should have done it before the season started. I'm going to go re-listen to that pod tonight. <laughs> get some goosebumps. Yeah. Now who's winning the finals for you? The dubs. Yeah. Again, I, I, think, I got the Rockets in the finals I, I right tell, now. Jesus, dude, I will tell you this. And then you, you have to tell me how the Rockets are winning the finals, but I'll say this. I think they're going to, the, the warriors are going to have a very tough series with whoever comes out of the East. We know Boston can play them. I think that Milwaukee would serve as a really good matchup against them. And I think Toronto is a really good team that can't be discounted. I think the only team they would have a pretty easy time with is Philly. And I know Philly's beaten them, but again, it's regular season, especially at this time of the year. It's so hard to gauge teams in March, especially teams with a playoff pedigree like the Warriors. I just, I can't see them losing unless somebody gets hurt. Now, please educate the listeners on how the Rockets are winning the NBA finals. Well-rested Chris Paul, a different and a higher level playing James Harden, who not only can he get you 50 points on any given night when he needs to, but he can go back into that facilitator role. Their defensive metrics are pretty good this year, especially when Capella's in the lineup. And I just think the way this team held their own and treaded water in the Western Conference with James Harden and a bunch of scrap yard, scrap heap, no offense to them. They're all welcome on the pod, D-League players. <laughs> Before Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon came back, I think that they have enough experience now to where as long as everyone's healthy and playing to their best ability, I think that they can stun the Warriors, surprise them, and win. And they're going to win against the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, or Sixers too? Yes. It's going to be like 2004 for the Reds. Yeah, 2004 for the Red Sox, where the real world series was beating the Yankees down 3 1, going game seven, and then they went and swept the Cardinals. Like, I don't even remember if I watched much of that World Series. I just remember crying, waking up the next morning for school. My mom told me they lost. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, I don't cry much, but that was a tough one. Oh, that was brutal. And you said 3-1. They were down 3-0. I'm sorry, 3-0. <laughs> You're right about that. They were down worse. 3-0, which made it a lot tougher. But I think that if the the Rockets, it's one of those things like the, the Red Sox, obviously, the, the drought isn't nearly as much. But once you get over that hump, there's somewhat of a relief. And then the Red Sox went out and swept the Cardinals. And yeah. I think that they, I think that the Rockets, and they're not going to sweep whoever it is, but There'll be there'll be a sense of relief and they'll go on and win the finals. That was a beautiful story that you just told. A very Thank nice you. picture that you painted. 
I couldn't disagree with you possibly anymore. But okay. that actually was a very good parallel with the Red Sox bringing it to baseball. That was that was pretty good. Thank um, you. I liked it. All right, let's transition into college basketball. All right, so before seven, we jump into the conferences, what the fuck is St. John's doing? We went on Mike Phillips' podcast, what, two to three weeks ago? Yeah, three weeks Something ago tomorrow. Like that. Yeah. And he said they were a shoo-in for the tournament. I get a text from him yesterday. And it was something along the lines of, are you nervous? I don't know about St. John's. And I said, uh, you know, you told me they were going to get in. And I said, the only way they couldn't get in is if they lose every single game between now and the Big East tournament. And guess what they fucking are doing? <laughs> They're losing every single goddamn game on their way to the Big East tournament. They're now the six or the seven seed, and they have to play in the first round of the Big East tournament. When if you look back a week and a half ago, they're the fucking three seed. And now they might not even make the tournament. Fire Chris Mullen <laughs> and hire Rick Pitino immediately. You almost went and got him before he went to Louisville, but you wouldn't give him a private jet. Give the guy the fucking private jet and hire him. Park it in the fucking parking lot for all I care. Give the guy the jet and hire a guy that knows how to coach. I'm sorry. Chris Mullins, by far the greatest basketball player to ever go to St. John's because they didn't get Kareem. That's another That's another story that's for another That's a good story. Day. Yeah, that's a good history. Um, You know, he's an NBA Hall of Famer. He was on the Dream Team, this, that, and the third. He's not a good coach. Would you rather have him or Patrick Ewing? Patrick Ewing. Yeah, he's getting his say, guys motivated. The Georgetown teams look good. They have. And he's playing with a lot less talent. St. John's has Shamori Ponce, who was an ESPN 100 guy. They've also got Mustafa Heron, who was an ESPN 100 guy. I mean, they've got transfers that were all... that. Uh, Justin Simon, he went to Arizona before this. Uh, Clark, Marvin Clark, he went to fucking Michigan State. Who the hell does Georgetown have except for Mac McClug, who's my favorite player in college basketball? But, I mean, come on. What the fuck? They're, they're not playing discipline. It's terrible. Shamori Pons will give you 40 one night, and then the next night he won't score a point until two minutes left in the second half. And he'll miss a one of one. That is concerning because the, the track record with St. John's this year, and really even since middle of last year, is they're going to go toe-to-toe and, and, and sometimes – win the big games. I mean, Duke and Nova last year, this year they've beaten Nova. They've had some huge games. Marquette. I mean, they swept Marquette. Yeah. But then they have those games where you lose to DePaul or, you know, like you just well, come up. They're playing so DePaul empty. in a few days, right? Right before the big East tournament. No, in the big East tournament. Cause right. Your you're season's right. over now. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. If they lose that fucking game, don't bring them up to me ever again. I didn't bring them up. By I, the way. I understand. I went there. I bleed for the red storm, blah, blah, blah. Don't ever. Until Patino has that private Well, you're going to have to keep that control to yourself because you're the one that brought him up and ambushed us talking about the other games. So uh, that's on right. you, brother. All right, that's All right. enough. So that's there's, enough. there's your St. John's rant. We'll see what happens this week uh, in the Big East tournament. Don't hold your breath, uh, Johnny's fans. Okay. There were some big games this week, but we're going to talk about some of the games also that just concluded regular season that were of note in each conference in the ACC. Dude, number two Virginia closes out the season with a 73-68 to win against Louisville. I know they have a scarlet letter on their face from what happened last year getting run off the court by a 16 seed. But this team is unbelievably good. And I know we talked about it with Mike on his pod three weeks ago. If you haven't listened, check it out, even if some of that stuff is a little outdated. But that was 
that was a situation in which you're looking at Virginia and just say they weren't that healthy. They were missing their best player. They were missing another good player, and they just got they just got rocked. You know, they got punked, punched in the face, and could never and get back ready. up. They this had their team, best player, Hunter, who's going to be a lottery pick, and he can get you a bucket. Yeah, and Kyle time. Guy too. They they can shoot, and this team they play in the best conference, in my opinion. I know the Big Ten's probably deeper, and the SEC top heavy is really up there too, but. The ACC, I mean, you're playing Duke. They swept Duke, or they they only two losses this year where they got swept by Duke. They beat UNC twice. They've beaten Louisville. They've beaten everybody else that's gotten in their way pretty easily. And this team's going to finish as a one seed unless somehow they go out early in the ACC tournament, which I don't see happening. I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win the tournament. I'm not sure if I'm going to pick them to even get to the Final Four. But this team's clicking on all cylinders right now, playing with a lot of confidence, and they have a lot to prove, especially Tony Bennett from what happened last year. Finally, the marquee matchup last night, round two of UNC Duke. There was talks that Zion was going to come back. That was squashed real quick on Saturday morning. They're they're going to hold him out until the ACC tournament, and, and understandably so. But... Let's not take anything away from North Carolina, man. They they got to win again. They sweep Duke for the regular season, this time in Chapel Hill on senior night, 79-70. And this North Carolina team is ranked third. The ACC is loaded. I mean, you're going to have Virginia, Duke, and Carolina all as possible one seeds, especially if Duke wins the ACC tournament. Which they very well can. So, especially if Zion's healthy. Could you imagine three number ones out of the ACC. I know, and we were talking earlier about how the SEC is right I think that's a them. pipe dream, but I don't think it's out of reality. No, no. I, I mean, at the worst, they're going to have probably two one seeds and a, and a, two one seeds and a two seed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, and we were saying the SEC is right up there with them, but they've blown them away in the past couple weeks. Um, and the only other number one seed is going to be Gonzaga. Right, yeah, and, and honestly, you know, they – we always question how they are come tournament time because of just the competition that they play. But two years ago, they're in the national championship game. I don't worry about Gonzaga as much as much as I did in the Adam Morrison years or, or earlier. Well, now on. they've hit that breakthrough. They've yeah. been in an NCAA title game, and I think that does a lot for confidence because they know they can do it now. Especially the head coach Mark Few, who is one of the best coaches in the country every single year. Um, how that mid-major has turned into just a juggernaut for the last 20-something years. Um, moving on to the SEC, I couldn't believe this. I was watching this game during the day. Number 5 Tennessee loses at Auburn, who was just a, like, we predicted Auburn based off what they did in you know the beginning of the season before conference play. They looked so strong. They're so athletic. They're so deep. And then they kind of just fell off. The, they fell I don't off even know if they're going to make the tournament. I don't know either, but I think this win really helps. And I think if they get one or two wins in the SEC tournament, they'll sneak in as like a 10 or 11. You know, I love Bruce Pearl. Big cheater fan. Big cheater fan. That was a great win. Um, Yeah, they shot the lights out. I don't know what they were from three, but I know it was a high percentage. And that's how you're going to beat a team like Tennessee. Yeah, especially in the second half. you're not going to be able to go in the paint. No, and Admiral Schofield had a game yesterday. But it was just, I mean, they... they they just couldn't close out that game. And I think, you know, what's tough about watching those kind of games and which is going to be really fun to start watching these tournaments is in college basketball, that home court really matters, especially in the last game of the season. Like, they want nothing more, those Auburn fans that packed that gym yesterday, to beat Tennessee. And it's just like, you don't want to get too cliche with it, but it really means a lot. That's their season right there. Yeah. So... That it's not like the volunteers got run off the court. They lost by four in a tough game in which 
Auburn played about the best that they have since December. Um, number six, Kentucky finishes off their regular season by beating Florida 66-57. They're playing really well ever since that brutal, t- tough loss to LSU. Um, Speaking of uh, LSU. Yeah, as we're going to talk about their head coach at the end of running down the scores. Um, ever since they lost that tough buzzer beater to LSU um, uh, in, uh, in Kentucky, they've been, they've been dominant. And they have looked every bit as good as you would imagine a Calipari team to look heading into the SEC tournament. And they're gonna I, I predict that they're gonna go right up there with Tennessee in the in the in the uh, SEC tourney next weekend. And whichever team wins, that's gonna be probably another one seed. Yeah. I definitely uh, maybe not. Maybe a two seed. Uh, I mean, I, I could I, if they if whoever wins that, and if one of those teams in the ACC falls out before Early. the semis. You can sneak one in. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, Big Ten, what are we thinking? Fucking Michigan State, man. They are the weirdest team. They they lose to Indiana last week, and I'm shitting on them, and I'm feeling great about how I feel about Izzo and them, and then they just complete a season sweep of the Michigan Wolverines, this time at home at they East just Lansing. just their number. Yeah, they, it appears that way. I mean, it, this they took this game, and they won by 12 after winning by seven a couple weeks ago in Ann Arbor. And they played about, honestly, it sounds so cliche and it sounds so obvious, but this is about as good as they've looked. The two games that they've beaten Michigan, that's as good as they've looked all year. But my concern with Michigan State is not how they're going to play against another top 10 program. It's about how they're going to play to a team like Indiana. Did they not get up for those games? We saw them with Syracuse last year. I don't know. Tournament Izzo. Yeah, tournament Izzo. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, he's had a lot of first-round exits or early-round exits, too, so we'll see what happens, but can't take anything away. We're going to have to see how they do in the early – what are they? Probably have a first-round bye in the Big Ten tournament, but – Yeah. No, that was – Second round. That was a big win for them. Um, heading into the Big 12, Texas Tech officially wins the conference for the first time in 13 years. Um Kansas is no longer the regular season winner, but there is the Big 12 tournament, which will be played next weekend, and we'll see what happens there. Um, Kansas does finish at number 13. Uh, they beat Baylor by eight. Uh, in the Big East, we won't talk about your Johnnies. We already did. Georgetown, they take down number 16, Marquette. How do you feel about Marquette going into the Big East tournament. And then on the other side, Villanova, who was 23, falls to Seton Hall, 79-75. Where do you see the top two teams of the Big East, Marquette and Villanova, respectively, A, doing in the conference tournament? Are they a lock to face each other in the final on Saturday night? And where do you see them being projected to go seven days from today on Selection Sunday? I think Villanova will probably sit at like four. Ooh. What do you think? I'm thinking like five or six. Five or what are they? Number fifteen in the country, but they, no, also they were twenty three. Just... Villanova was twenty three, and they just lost, so they're going to fall out of the top twenty five heading into uh, the yeah you're heading right, into you're the right. Big East tournament. Now, if they win the Big East tournament, it's a different story. But where do you see them doing in the? Big I East think Nova is going to win the tournament, and I think honestly, I I think that um, that what's it called um, Marquette probably yeah. goes out after the first after their first game because they really? have, they have I mean they have a lot of. They're you know, Marcus seniors, Howard. They, but Howard is just their best player. But can't you see him getting hot and just carrying them? Or I could see him not getting hot and then losing by ten and in, in the in the what the semis to, to Creighton or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So probably not Creighton. Probably more like Xavier or 
I don't know. Xavier just went 500 after their fucking win last night. Um, like 70 years in a row, they've been 500 <laughs> in their conference. Um, they'll probably lose to like a Georgetown or something like that. Yeah. And then you, where do you see them being selected as far as a seeding next well, week? Well, if I feel like they're going to go out early, they're probably going to be like a six or a seven. Yeah. In the uh, on selection Sunday, which I cannot wait for. Oh, so, well, we'll obviously be doing a pod next Sunday. Yes. So why don't we talk about the American? I'm going to everybody say your prayers that St. John's figures out a way to fucking make it into this tournament. <laughs> I don't even care if it's a playing game. Well, Houston wins the conference and they look freaking good. Yeah. Uh, their really only challenger is going to be Cincinnati. And I don't think Cincinnati can is anywhere close to the talent level of Houston. And I think Houston's poised to make another Elite Eight run. The team is this this team is that good. Yeah. They are really good. And they can't be diminished by the talent that they play. Just quick disclaimer, UConn did play their final game of the regular season this year and won. Wow. There's a lot of work to be done on Clap that team. Up. Yeah, Clap it up. Yeah, a lot of work to be done on that team. Well, let's see what Hurley can do. The other thing I will say before we move on to our Will Wade story is um, I'm excited because Murray State made it into the tournament. They punched their ticket. Um, John Morant had 36 points in the final game, and that's just exciting because I want to see probably a top – Five lottery pick yep. play in the tournament. You always want to see that. You want to see Ben Simmons not doing shit. So I'm just excited for that. No, I'm excited too. That's a that was a really good that was a really good point. I mean, anytime you can see a lottery pick on a team, one of those mid majors, um, that's exciting. Uh, he's been comp to a lot of different kind of guards. I really want to see him play against you know on a big stage. Will Wade story, man, take it away. This shit is crazy. Will Wade, the head coach of LSU, has been suspended indefinitely. And there's a lot of layers to this story. FBI caught him on a wiretap, I believe, saying, well, get something done or blah, blah, blah. Obviously referring to paying players. LSU's having their first decent year since, shit, Tyrus Thomas and yeah, Big 06, Baby Davis. Yeah, 06 team. Um, and, of course, there's a little bit of payer payment behind, payer pl- payment behind that. Bleh. Can't even talk. I'm so scared about LSU. Um, yeah, you're getting work. You're getting choked up today. And they must really have a lot on the guy because um, Miller's still coaching. Yeah, Miller seems like that whole thing last year. I don't blown know out of he, proportion. How, no, I just don't know how he got out of it. He's got something's got to be being taken care of with him. Will Wade doesn't have the cachet that a Sean Miller does, and definitely not what a Tom Izzo does. So, what do you think happens from here? Will he? be allowed to coach in the tournament because that's a that's a tournament team i mean dude they were they they were number 10 yeah um no i don't think he will i mean if you're gonna get suspended indefinitely unless they can prove for sure that there's no evidence against you for paying players no why would he be allowed to coach in the tournament that's it's it's nuts this could be this could be a killer to the LSU Tigers because that's a really good team. They're not Kentucky good and they're not Tennessee good, but they are up there. They've already beaten Kentucky and Lexington. I'm very interested to see what happens here. This is this is a big time deal. And are there more coaches that have this against them? Is there even more? Is, is this FBI wiretap going to segue into more coaches? That's my question. <laughs> I don't know, man, because they had like, it was almost like the, um, what the hell was the name of that list with the steroid guys on it? Oh, the um, the Mitchell Report. The Mitchell Report where you were thinking everybody and their mother was on this list, which there was a lot of guys on it. 
but then nobody got in trouble for it, so it's whatever. And I don't want to jump to conclusions like we did last year when you saw your Bleacher Report alert go off and it was like huge coaches and you're like, oh my God, Coach K is going to, his legacy's ruined and this, that, and the third. And then you find out that it's Sean Miller and Will Wade and it's like, that's really not that big of a story. So exactly, I'm not going to make any predictions or any conclusions. I'll have to talk to my sources on that one and let and get back <laughs> to you on that. My college b-ball sources. Follow through for me, man. Come on. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just going to take it for what it is. If you're suspended, clearly there's some evidence against you. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and this was a, this couldn't be the, a worse time for LSU to have this take to have this figured out. They would have much rather would have had this happen back in December. Yep. Um, we'll see how, how the team, um, how resilient that team is. Okay. College basketball is handled. Let's just do a quick baseball rundown before we get into the NFL. We'll just do Yankees camp. Uh, we've got our baseball preview coming up in the coming weeks, which I'm really excited about doing. I know you are too. We're gathering our information to make really good, really good picks uh, for the National League and American League. It's going to be a fun baseball season. Hopefully but right this now, time you actually remember that the Houston th- Astros That play. would probably be good. That was p- poor on my part. Maybe you could say I was distracted. I don't know. That was poor. Either way, we're better though now. Come on. When we did that pod like in a, a car, in a car, like with in microphones a during a snowstorm. So, I think we're better now with our nice studio. We'll do some research. It'll be good. it'll be good. But right now, at a Yankees camp, this Severino news is very troubling. He misses Tuesday's start. He's scratched because of shoulder inflammation. He felt it warming up in the bullpen, and they immediately took him out. They're shutting him down for two weeks um, while he gets anti-inflammatories. Anytime I hear shoulder inflammation, there's something that causes inflammation. I, it's there. It's not just inflammation. There's something that causes that. So what is it? That's the concern. Severino's expected to be their ace. Now, I think they can weather the storm. You know, you've got Paxton in here now. You've got Tanaka, who was named the opening day starter in, in Severino's absence. you got a guy like Jay Happ who's going to stabilize that rotation. You got have, you have good guys like a, you know, Luis Sessa or a Domingo Herman or Jonathan Loizaga who have great stuff. We haven't seen them put it together for extended runs, but you feel good where if Severino is only going to miss a couple weeks that they could plug them in and, and, and be okay. But if this is something that's going to go into the season, now this is the speculation that we were talking about last year when he just fell off a cliff in the second half. It has nothing to do with velocity. It has to do with location and being able to hit spots and have the sharpness on your pitches, which he clearly didn't have. I'm not going to say the two are, you know, go hand in hand, but all we know right now is that this is a major level of concern for the New York Yankees. I'm not ready to jump on the Dallas Keuchel bandwagon yet. Um, I don't think that they can get him on a two or three year deal. So I think that you're, you don't want to have to panic and go for sign him to a four or five, but this is getting close because if Severino is not right, this really hurts your chances at winning a world series. Cause when he's on, He's a top four starter in the American League. Well, we'll have to see what the uh, the test results, whatever test he gets done, um, come back as. Well, they because... just they just revealed inflammation. It didn't reveal anything else. No structural damage. No nothing. It was literally just inflammation, and they're going to shut him down, give him anti-inflammatories, and see what's what. Um, I would just throw a shitload of money at Keuchel for two years. I don't think you're going to be able to get him for two, man. I think there's going to come a team that like loses a guy you know for the season. I mean, I think, you know, a team like the Dodgers makes sense if, if Kershaw's elbow is really not good. Um, you're looking at a team like the Astros. I know they want him back. They just haven't been able to meet in the middle as far as uh, contract length is concerned. 
I'm not ready to jump there yet, but I think he's a discussion. I don't want any part of Gio Gonzalez. Like I've seen him pitch. I'm fine. This does open the door, though, for an opener. And the Yankees have guys that can do an opener. Jad Green can start. Then you bring in a guy like Herman or Loizaga or Sessa who don't have to pitch to the top of the lineup the first time around, give you a couple innings. Then you go into this vaunted bullpen. There's going to be flexibility. All we know is that Severino is going to miss the first couple weeks of the season just from a timeline. That's best case scenario. CeCe's going to miss the first couple weeks because he's coming back from his heart scare and also, you know, he's suspended for four games. So he's going to miss a few starts. So you're looking at possibly deploying an opener or using or starting the rotation with both either a Herman Loisaga or Sessa, two of those three in it. The only thing that scares me is this. We still got what? Three weeks left of spring training. Just about. Yeah. Three weeks from yesterday or three or two weeks from Thursday actually is opening day. There's still enough time for another guy to get hurt. And then you have to sign Keuchel. Yep. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And they got some fragile guys. I mean, Paxton's had his injury history. We all know about Tanaka's. Yep. So one more guy goes down, your back's against the wall. You're going to have to throw Keuchel four years. Yeah, you might you want to win a World Series this year. You're going to have to because you got to start off strong. Yep, absolutely. And you have to make sure that you're going into the playoffs with guys who know can win games in the postseason. So we're going to find that out. Scary news, though. Aaron Hicks has been shelved with a low back injury. Really just a sore back. You know how the Yankees don't like to talk too much about spe- specifics. Stop this is, playing golf. And seriously, why? Like, Stop the playing two guys they gave extensions training. to are hurt. So I don't like this. I know they it's a show that they, injury. I they, know it. They show, yeah, it probably is. They show that it's a team-friendly deal, so it's not killer. But the scary thing about this now is that if he has any kind of setback, the corpse of Jacoby Ellsbury might actually have to play a role on this team. I'd rather than bring up Floreal <laughs> from single seven A. years away. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I would too. Um, but anyway, so that's what's out of Yankee camp um, about two and a half weeks before opening day. So look forward to our preview coming soon. If any big news comes out of Yankee camp or Met camp or anywhere uh, or any more of the big signings and free agency like a Keiko, we'll bring it to you. Now we get into the NFL before we wrap up tonight's episode. Antonio Brown was finally fucking traded. There he was, almost went to the he Bills. He almost went to the Bills right. on Friday night or Thursday night, to which he said fake news, and the Bills said we're moving on. He wasn't going to go to the Bills. He wasn't going to play a second there. And for for a diva receiver like this, you you don't want to trade for a guy like this unless you know he wants to be there. And that's exactly what the Raiders did. Raiders acquired Antonio Brown, signed him promptly to a three-year, fifty million extension with thirty million guaranteed. And they'd only traded a third and a fifth to Pittsburgh. Clearly, that was the best trade that the Steelers could have gotten, which is nuts to me. But I'm it just shows. I'm extremely happy that my Jets weren't. Shows in how on toxic this. he is. Because if you're only getting a third and a fifth for arguably the best receiver in the league, that shows something. Yep. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and we've shit on him all year, and in some cases, very justifiably so. Maybe John Gruden knows what he's doing because he's accumulated an absurd amount of draft picks, which he just used a third and a fifth of which he had two of each of them to go get the number one receiver after trading a guy who's probably what a a fringe top 10 in Amari Cooper and getting a first for him. 
in which they now have three first-round picks. They were able to get this deal done without trading any of them. He's got that number four pick sitting there, ready to move up for Kyler Murray if the if the uh, Cardinals don't go for him. Or you're getting a premier pass rusher at four to take over for Khalil Mack in his absence. Then you're drafting 17, and you're drafting 24. That's really good. And they have all these second and third rounders too. I think he might, he has a plan. He's crazy. He's out of his mind. But I think we might have to start giving him a little credit. This was an incredible posturing job by John Gruden. Should we open up the the airwaves to him? Should we welcome him on the pod or are we still anti-Gruden? Still TBD. Okay. All right. But you can't take... Patricia, don't even think about it. No, but you can't take anything away from him. This has been... This was a, I mean, he he just completely took over this move. This was great. Yeah. And now the Raiders have a top receiver to go with Derek Carr. They have questions on Carr, but I don't think he's movable. So you're going to have to make it work. You have the number four overall pick. You have two others in the top, in in the first round that you can use to move. Dude, they're set up. Yeah, I would like to see if they would give the Jets a little something for maybe just to move up one spot. Eh, I don't nah, think they so. wouldn't because the Jets aren't going to take QB. Nope. And then you're going to find a great player at three. The, Jet, the Jets are at three, so they're fine. No, nah, I want to go back. I want to trade with the Giants to get DJ Metcalf. Yeah. That, I mean, the, as far as trade partners are concerned, especially if the Jaguars do indeed sign Foles, the Giants are your best trade partner. So we'll we'll see if that happens. Um, but, but thank God the AB saga is over. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about it. Mr. Big Chest is finally signed. <laughs> nice new nickname. Jesus Christ. Um, and he got a nice little pay raise, so that was nice. The Giants will not re-sign Landon Collins, and I have one thought on this. I don't want to go too deep on it, but we already talked about it too. Well, we talked about the fact that he's that they weren't that they were looking like they weren't going to retain him, and it, it became official. They did not put a franchise on him. Dereliction of duty by not recognizing at this at the trade deadline last year that you know you could have gotten a third rounder from Kansas City for him of not trading him. Because all indications were the shoulder issue had nothing to do with this decision. He didn't fit in Betcher's system. He's a terrible cover guy. We've known that. That's not his skill point. His skill set is coming across the middle and laying hits on guys and, and, and basically being like a hybrid safety linebacker. That's what his game is. You knew that didn't fit Betcher's system. You were a 1-7 when the t- deadline came around. Why the hell didn't you trade him then? Terrible. You're now not getting anything for him other than cap relief. For a player of his stature and value, you have to make that trade. You have to get something for him. That's really poor on the Giants' end. Now, they did do one thing on Friday that made me feel a little bit better about the direction of this organization. They traded Olivier Vernon to the Cleveland Browns for right guard Kevin Zietler. This is a great trade by the New York Giants. I know they depleted their already horrible defense even more, but they finally are prioritizing this offensive line even more. Now you have three starters. Check that, four bona fide starters on the offensive line. You're building it. Zietler was one of the best-ranked offensive linemen by Pro Football Focus last year. He's a 2012 first-round pick of the Bengals. He really helped stabilize and make Baker Mayfield have a good rookie year last year. I love this move because whether it's Eli and Haskins or Eli and somebody else, you have to give holes for, for Saquon. All he did last year was have these incredible runs behind a non-existent O-line that didn't come together until really like week 11. This was a great move by the Giants because Olivier Vernon was going to get cut and they were able to get a starting right guard for him. 
That was a really good move. And for the Browns, now you go in with two guys on your defensive line of Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. That's a fearsome tandem for pass rushing. So both teams won this trade, but I like it a lot from the Giants. I'm just happy to see that um, Shea can get a couple holes to run through because everybody, they're breaking down the tape and they're like, oh, all of his runs that were broken plays that he just turned into a touchdown run. Well, he didn't have any fucking holes. No, nothing. His, they're, they're like, he doesn't run well between the tackles. Well, there was no holes there, for him to run between. None. Because there was no tackles because they sucked. Absolutely. So, really good move by the Giants. And it looks like your Jets made a deal uh, today with the this Oakland Raiders. This is massive, Raiders. and I love it. So, they trade a fifth-round pick for, I don't know how to pronounce his name. You want to help me o- out there? Osemele. Osemele. We won't go with the first name because I don't know how to pronounce it, but you're Two- still welcome on the pod. Two-time <laughs> pro bowler, bona fide starter, and it's a left tackle. That, which is one of the most important positions on the field. Yep, absolutely. Protect Arnold's blind side. I'm telling you, man, you're in a really good position right now and, and heading into this offseason. This was a great move. Um, the Raiders probably wanted that cap relief, and they wanted that extra fifth-round pick that they just gave up for Antonio Brown, so both sides win there. Real quick piece of house, clean, house cleaning. The Chiefs released Justin Houston. He's going to be a great fit for wherever he goes. The Giants and Jets both make sense. We'll see if either of them throw money at him. Real quick Jets talk heading into free agency, which starts on the 13th. So let's see, today's the 10th, so on Wednesday. Uh, And then all hell breaks loose. So what do you want your Jets to do just from free agency? Let's discard the draft and speculations on moves based off that. Let's just go into free agency and trades. What are you looking for the Jets to do with this abundance of money that they have? I want a pass rusher for one because they have $90 million in cap space. I want a pass rusher for one. And then the other two things I want are weapons for Darnold, whether it be a much better running back. I guess Le'Veon Bell, maybe just give him a short-term contract. Hopefully you can use the fact that he took a year off and there doesn't seem to be much of a market for him to kind of bring down that deal a little bit. And some outside weapons for him as well. They, they've beefed up the offensive line. I think he could do a little more work on that. But you need to get Leonard Williams some help on the pass rush. Your secondary is fine between Marcus May... Jamal Adams, Morris Claiborne, and um, what's the guy from the Rams that they got? Um, whatever, Trayvon or whatever his fucking name is. <laughs> I can't, I can't think. Um, of it I can't think head. of it off the top of my head, but um, Not Tremaine Johnson, Tremaine. Oh, there you go, Tremaine, Tremaine Johnson, Johnson yep. um, who had a horrible year. But maybe his second year will be better. You sign him to a big contract, so hopefully, I just want a pass rusher, some offensive line help. Those two should be prioritized and then going a little bit further down because I think you can find weapons in the later rounds when it comes to comes to um, wide receivers and as well as running backs. I'd still like them to get another wide receiver to go along with Robbie Anderson and um, a banged-up neck issue, Quince Inunua. And, and Curse. And Curse, who's probably on the back nine at You this have two point. possession receivers. Yeah, Carson and Nunwa are both possession receivers. You need somebody that's going to stretch the field and and run routes. That's going to help Darnold get the ball downfield. Definitely. Robbie Anderson's a straight vertical threat. That's and this really, is a big one trick pony. That's and this all is a do. big tight end draft as well. Yeah. So maybe you can get a tight end in the late rounds. You don't have to throw money at one. Maybe one that can actually catch the football. That'd be nice. Um, but yeah, I, I would like them to go after some weapons for Darnold and some offensive line help, and obviously a pass rusher, unless you're. Sure as shit that you're going to take one in the first round. 
lots of things on that shopping list for the Jets, which is true. I mean, they're a bad team and, and they have a lot of work to do. And another team that's a bad team and has a lot of work to do is the New York Giants. Skill positions on offense is not a problem. Uh, for whatever Odell speculation, obviously, if you keep him, you're elite. If you lose him, you're going to lose, obviously, an elite receiver, but you still have talent. They're not They're not going to lose him. No, I don't think so. But if they, I think they are open to trade him if the right deal presents itself. They got to address the cornerback situation really badly. I mean, Eli Apple didn't pan out and they traded him. Uh, their secondary was abysmal this year. I think they're going to target. Uh, I'd love to see. Um, I'd love to see Trey Flowers. New England is not going to franchise him as a defensive end to come in and, and stabilize that pass rush, especially now that you lost Vernon, who was the only semblance of pass rushing they had. The secondary has to be the main point of concern right now because if they do go quarterback in the draft, which I hope is where they're going, they're going to have to make sure their secondary is a lot better because it is anemic right now, to say the least. So you target some corners. You target a safety. Uh, I really like Boston, um, the safety there from Arizona, who doesn't look like they're going to keep him. He's a guy that knows Betcher's system very well and has been successful in it. Um, And he plays much more of the style of safety that the Giants like. Uh, more so than Landon Collins did. They have more, uh, a lot more cap space now because of the Vernon and um, and uh, Landon Collins departures. So I'm very interested to see what they do. But secondary, defensive line have to be the top ones. It looks like they're prioritizing the O-line. They'll continue to beef that up. Their skill positions are fine. But that defense is really bad. So that's what I'm hoping to see from the Giants this week. I can't believe we're already in free agency, man. It's nuts. I know. It's crazy. But that about wraps up this pod. So we will be back at some point next week, maybe later in this week. Yeah, I think it's got to be later in this week because a bunch of moves are going to happen, I'm sure, in the NFL that we'll have to discuss. Baseball previews coming up soon. And then also next Sunday is Selection Sunday, which means we got to bring a show to you guys. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We'll be doing a little bit of a preview for the March Madness that is about to come. So. You want to fill out some brackets on the air, something like that. Like talk about who we've gotten. Uh, maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll do. Like maybe we'll do a team bracket, a sorry sports bracket, where me and you can discuss it and then go over what we think is going to happen. I mean, obviously, I'll take the head on that one because I did have Michigan State. I mean, Michigan going on the Final Four. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> and I think you had Virginia winning. So good call on that one last year. Fuck you. Um, but that about wraps this one up. Everybody have a good night. Take care, guys.